right, so second announcement is this. Uh, maybe some of you guys have heard, we have a family in our church, um, Lorenzo and Sarah. And this past week, there was an accident with little Lorenzo, their son, who's four. Uh, and on Monday, he was airlifted from Long Prairie down to Children's um, in very, very critical shape. And so I was able to go down there Monday and be with them Monday and Tuesday. Um, and I went down again yesterday and, and sat with them. Uh, at this point, this is what we would say. Could you just be in prayer uh, for this family, for Lorenzo? Uh, specifically, uh, there was a lot of damage to his head and to his skull. And so we're praying over just the brain um, and things that are going on there. And it's at this point, it's kind of just waiting. Um, if you've ever had someone close to you that has had a, a brain injury or ha had anything like that, uh, you're kind of just waiting to see what happens and how the body responds. And so he, uh, he also has a, a broken knee, and they're going to do surgery hopefully on Monday morning for that. Um, and he has been sedated this entire time. And so after that surgery, they're wanting to start trying to wake him up and things. And so just be in prayer over his body, um, just the swelling that's happening there. Be in prayer for the doctors as they're working with them. Uh, they are down in the PICU, uh, down at Children's. Um, and so I know many of you guys have been asking. Um, you feel free to shoot them an encouraging text message, something like that. Uh, please don't expect or try and get a whole lot of a response out of them at the same time. All right, so I know they're kind of inundated with a lot of different things, and uh, we just want them to be able to be emotionally invested in the situation and each other uh, and little Lorenzo and not have to worry about trying to be emotionally invested in any of us. All right, as they uh, transition back, and this may be a long time, this may be uh, a month, two months, something like that. As they do transition back here, we will figure out some other ways to just be supporting the family, helping them, whether that's making some meals, anything like that. Uh, I know some of you guys have reached out. We will, we will announce that as we get closer. Uh, but what I do want to do right now is I'm just going to even pray uh, for Lorenzo um, as we kind of just move into this time here. So just, just join with me right now, if you would. God, we, we lift up Lorenzo. And as much as we love him, Lord, you love him even more. And so we know that, that your hand is there, that you are, you are grieving with us as we are grieving, as we are trying to kind of figure out the emotions of this situation and walk through this. God, you are right there with us. And we just thank you for that. And God, we pray just healing over his body. We pray healing over his brain. We come against any swelling that would be happening there, anything like that. God, we pray against any long-term damage, anything in, in that uh, type of a way. God, we pray that you give the doctors wisdom and discernment, that they would see things when they need to see it, that they would move in the right way. God, that they would approach each situation the way they need to. God, and we just pray for Lorenzo and Sarah, God, as well. We pray for just a peace. Uh, Lord, a peace to be in that hospital room right now, a peace to be in their minds and just surrounding them, God, as they walk through this incredibly difficult season. Lord, I, I pray that through this through this tragedy, Lord, that somehow you would be glorified. God, it's hard to even imagine what that would look like, but Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in this situation um, and that we would just be able to point to you uh, through this entire walk. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. All right. Last week, I made a joke about Mother Nature and how if Mother Nature sneezed, we would go over the record for how much snow was in Minnesota. I am not going to make a joke this week, okay, guys? Like, 
we're just done. We're not, we're not doing that. If you, uh, if you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find Hebrews chapter 5. All right, uh, and this is, it's been a crazy week, and actually what I love about this is, and so last week if you were here during Easter, we talked about the idea that no matter how much snow comes, it cannot stop spring. It doesn't matter how much it snows, and I am hanging on to that right now, you know, but it's even just a little bit of a, uh, a reassurement, I think, for us of this idea that we kind of paralleled that with no matter how much snow comes, uh, it can't stop spring. No matter how much tragedy and injustice and things happen in this world, it cannot stop God's plan. All right, and that's such a beautiful parallel that we have. And so even today as I woke up and had snow and these different things, I'm just looking back on this week and the things that have happened this week and us praying for uh, the Bahina family and Lorenzo and stuff. Like it just reminded me again of just saying like, okay, you know what, it doesn't matter. Like God, God is in control. God is on the throne. And that's what we need to remember. And so uh, I'm excited, though, today as we just kind of move into a new series here. Uh, We're going to be starting something that we're calling Foundational. All right, the, the idea behind this is we want to look at some things that, uh, that I think are pretty foundational to our belief um, and to our faith. And I wanted to have a time where we could just talk through some of these things that are incredibly important. Uh, and they may be some more basic things at times, but I have found that the amount of basic things that we don't fully understand, or maybe we are like, yes, I believe that, but we couldn't actually explain why we believe it. Uh, some things like that, things that are incredibly important. I think oftentimes we kind of skip over these in church. We either assume that people walking through the door already know this or somehow they're just going to pick up on it uh, as they're like part of church. And that just, it often doesn't happen. And so we end up going about life missing some of these foundational pieces uh, that we need. And so next week is, like we had said, a baptism service. That's going to give us an opportunity just to talk a little bit about baptism. One of those things that's incredibly different from church to church and denomination to denomination. And, um, and, and there's other things I want to talk about as well. We're going to look at just um, things like worship and, and community and some of the core beliefs. I want to actually walk through something that we never really do as a church, and that's like the creeds. Have you ever heard of like the, the Apostles' Creed? Like, what is that? Why do some people say that? What are the things that are listed in there? Um, I, I would love to talk through uh, just other things of like the differences about denominations of, of prayers, beliefs even about like the end times. That's all over the place where people are at. And, and what about the afterlife? What happens when someone dies? And some of these things that really are, are super core to just like living life. And so we want to just find some ways to, uh, to talk about this, you know, even just the Bible. The fact that the Bible has, you know, 66 books in there and there's so many different genres that are in the Bible. And the funny thing is, is if you read it in the wrong way, you're going to come up with some really weird theology at times. All right, you have poetry and you have history and you have apocalyptic literature, all these different things. If you read poetry like it's history you're going to come up with some weird beliefs, okay? Like, that's just not, you know, so we want to talk through some of these things. Um, and, and so I think, now there are a couple of things I want to throw at us today, even before we get started, all right? And first off would be this. Uh, maybe there's been times where you've had a question about something that you believe or supposedly you've been told you believe, and you're like, I don't really know why I believe that. I don't know what this is. I would love for, to give you an opportunity just to kind of even ask that. Maybe it'd be something that, I, that we could respond to. Maybe it'd be something that would actually be part of this series. 
All right, so if that's you, if you've had a question that's been burning in your mind, a couple ways you could do this. You could shoot an email uh, to myself or to the church. Those emails are listed on our website. Uh, you could write the question on a Connect card if you want it to kind of be more anonymous. You could drop it in there. The difficult thing with anonymous is if I need to clarify what your question is asking, I can't. Um, so feel free to kind of write that down, something like that. Uh, we would love to make sure that we're answering questions that our people actually have. All right, so that's the first thing. The second thing is this. Uh, I would love for as many people in our church to actually fill out a specific survey. Okay, there's something that happens every two years by some organizations called the State of Theology. All right, and it's this big survey that happens kind of nationwide, and they ask some basic questions of people. It's like 30-some questions, and you respond like one through five, strongly disagree, strongly agree type of a spectrum, and you answer these questions, all right, and they compile this together. Well, this website actually allows us to do our own um, test, where we have the same questions, and we can see where, where does our church land in some of this, all right? Now, the problem with that is that I actually have to send you the link for this, okay? And so the website, the State of Theology, it looks like this. There's going to be a picture behind me, all right? And I have a QR code listed there as well, and we'll put this up at the end of service. If you want to, if you think you can get to this on your own, you scan that QR code, it will open up into River of Life, or RLC Long Prairie, I think it's called. You can save it for later. You can go through and answer these. Otherwise, again, you can write on the card. You could email, text, call if you want this and you want me to send it to you. Okay, and the types of questions uh, that they ask in this are, are just things like, God, it's not even questions, it's more statements because you're agreeing or disagreeing. He'll say, like, God accepts the worship of all religions, Okay, one to five. Strongly agree, strongly disagree. I don't know which one it is. One or five is that. I've said it backwards now. All right, they might say things like, uh, the Holy Spirit is a force, but not a personal being. Right? And so some of these things you're like, I don't know. You know, may, maybe you're sitting there like, I guess we've talked about the Holy Spirit. I've never really thought about it in that way. And so it, it's something that I would love for as many people in our church uh, to go through this as you can. You can't get anything wrong. Okay, because it's agree or disagree. It is anonymous. I can't see what people, individuals answer. I just see what the group collectively answers. Okay, and so I would love this. Whether you are like, you've been in church your entire life and you feel like you have a good grasp on these things, or you've never really gone to church before and you're kind of even hating this and you're like, I don't, I don't know why I'm here. Like, I, we would love to have your input as well. I would love to see this. So uh, that's kind of the second thing I wanted to give us right before because I think this could actually, again, help us shape a little bit of what we talk about in this series. All right, so with that, I want us to be ready today, just kind of uh, have an attitude where we want to be challenged, where we want God to illuminate things for us. Uh, if you are willing, if you're able, would you stand with me this morning as we read our passage? Uh, if you can't, that's completely fine. Don't feel bad about that. All right, we are reading out of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews has just finished talking about Jesus as the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And some of you guys are like, huh? What? What was all that? Exactly. All right, so that's a little bit of context of where we're starting this. So we are in verse 11, Hebrews chapter 5. We're actually going to move into chapter 6 as well. So it says this, There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. 
You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Jesus, we just pray that as we dive into this today, Lord, that, um, that we would just be changed by this time. God, we, we ask that. Lord, we don't want to walk out of here the same. We want to be changed when we approach you. So we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. When I was growing up, uh, there was something that we had called Sunday school. And it was every single week. How many of you guys grew up with Sunday school? All right. Now, Sunday school is something that uh, it's been around for a while. It actually started in the late 1700s in England by Robert Rakes. And it started as actual school. All right, so they could teach kids to read and write. Uh, at this time, there was not labor laws, all right? So kids were going to work, and they were working six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Sunday was the only day they weren't working, all right? And so they had this idea to kind of start Sunday school. All right, then shortly after this, they actually passed some laws about child labor, um, and it, it reduced where they could only work 12 hours a day. I know, you read those things. This was in 1802, and you're like, they were working longer than 12 hours? <laughs> like, holy cow. Okay, uh, the idea of Sunday school kind of spread to the U.S. Um, and into many different denominations. In the mid-1800s, uh, Sunday school was almost universal. Like, it was something that people did. Like, whether you went to church or not, whether the parents went to church, kids went to Sunday school. And they would teach them to read and to write, and they would teach them to read by using the Bible. All right, well, when... Um, when a lot of the child labor laws and, and then like mandatory schooling went into effect, they changed it to where Sunday school really just focused on the religious side of things. It was no longer about necessarily just reading and writing, but it was like, okay, we want to teach them more specifically about Jesus. All right, and, uh, and it continued really until about the 1960s uh, with the idea of permissive parenting when parents no longer felt the need to send kids to Sunday school. They weren't going to church themselves. They didn't really feel this need. But I feel like it still remained decently popular, especially more in rural areas. Um, I don't know, maybe even until like the, the 1990s, early 2000s. All right, the church I grew up at in Little Falls, like they still, they do Sunday school. And they're like, we're calling it Sunday school. You're never changing this. All right. And I'm like, I love that. Uh, a lot of churches, they started to change the way they did this. And like for us, we have something we call life groups. And that was kind of meant to take the place of this. But the reality is, Almost anything else that churches have come up with have never fully taken the place of Sunday school, of true like Christian education and some of these things. And, and because of this, uh, we have things that, uh, that really uh, a big uh, look that a lot of uh, foundations are doing is looking at this idea called biblical illiteracy. The amount of people that do not know the Bible, do not understand the Bible, different things like that. All right, and if that's where you're at, this is not about like coming down on that. That's saying this is the world that we live in now. All right, now it, it may sound like I'm, I'm making a big argument for Sunday school in this. Uh, I'm not actually. We just need to understand like where we are, where our deficits as a, a greater church are, the things that we are missing, 
And then we need to make sure that we're finding ways to actually figure out how to accomplish that. All right, and because people need to be growing. We need to be growing. Uh, and I think it's, it's far too easy for people to come to church and not be growing nowadays. The analogy that's often used for growing is producing fruit. That's what we see in Scripture. All right, and Jesus says what happens when you don't produce fruit. Okay, I'm going to read a couple of these. They aren't even going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read these through. Uh, he says, I am the true grapevine, and the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. After the parable where um, the master gives out talents or amounts of money to different people, um, it kind of says this to the guy that basically he didn't do anything with what he was given. He didn't grow it in any way. It says, then turning to the others standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they said, he already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Paul says this in, the, in Corinthians. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Like we see this all throughout scripture, this idea that like we as followers of Christ, we need to be growing in some type of a way. Um, and there's very strong warnings kind of against anyone who would uh, not be growing and would be stagnant. All right, now these are not meant to make us scared. It should encourage and challenge us. Uh, through all these, we're meant to feel the weight of is there growth in my life? Why do I need to be growing? Why do I have to be moving? Isn't it okay just to stay in the same spot? You know, maybe that's what you're wondering. Like, hey, I'm, I've been in a good spot. I kind of was growing for a season, and now I'm just where I am, and isn't that okay? All right, well, you know, I would say if, if I don't move away from God, then I should be fine, right? Like, can't I just kind of be in a spot where I'm not growing, but I'm also not moving away? All right, um, if you think of it as like two stationary points that aren't moving away, I, I guess you could make this argument. Here's the problem with that, though. We don't serve a stationary God. All right, our God is always on the move. And God has a plan. He is moving us towards the goal of his creation. So if we are stagnant, we naturally will become more distant. That's what happens. We can't just stay in one place and keep the same relationship with God. Okay, so, so if you guys are tracking with me on this, if we are in agreement, we need to be moving. What does this process look like? For the early church, I think growth happened a little more naturally for them than it does for us. And that's because of what society looked like for them. They lived in a communal type society. Things were done together on a much larger and more consistent scale. Uh, when you are living life together, there's a natural mentorship and teaching that is built into your community. All right, so they, they did life with, with people around them all the time. And so, so here's a statement I want us to understand. Like, when you live life with your teachers, every moment is an opportunity for growth. Like, when, when you're living life with the people that should be drawing you further along this path, every opportunity you have with them is an opportunity to learn and to grow. And, and this is key for us. All right, now, now look at, at how our society 
lives. Like we are so individualized. We have a hard enough time uh, living life with our immediate family sometimes. Okay, if we went around and said, how many of us, how many meals, how many dinners a week are we eating together, sitting down and eating? Like it would probably not be a fun thing to answer. Okay, like I even just think of my life and like how we're moving from one thing to the next. It's hard to do life together. And I think because of that, we guard our time so much more. It's all about how can we spend time doing the things that we love. All right, think about how much time is devoted towards growth in your life. Or even more specifically, how much time in your life is dedicated to spiritual growth. When we read through the book of Acts in the early church, there are times where I wish I could live uh, in a similar way that they do. Uh, honestly, this is, this is probably why we hear about people uh, going off and being overly excited and living communally together and joining some type of a cult or something like that. It's this idea of like, oh, we can do life together. We can live together. And uh, I remember when I was in Bemidji uh, at a church pastoring up there, there was a, a couple that had moved over from another country and they had moved basically to live communally with this group of people and that didn't pan out for them and so they weren't living there thankfully um, and they were just part of our church and stuff and you know there's this desire to be like yeah if we could live together if we could grow together like it sounds great but our society doesn't really live that way all right and so here, here's what I think this means like I, I'm not saying we're gonna you know go buy 200 acres up north in the woods or something, and we're all going to live there. That, no, that, no, it's not happening. All right, what I am saying is this. When we don't live in that type of a way, we have to understand the weakness of it. We have to understand that we live in an individualized society. And because of that, we need to be a lot more intentional in spending time with other people, and spending time in ways that we can grow. If the early church was struggling to grow and bear fruit, as it would say, as followers of Jesus, how much harder will it be for us? We have to be intentional about this, but uh, think about how we live. Like it, it, it is struggle. It's a struggle to get people to prioritize once a week for an hour or two to gather together and say, let's encourage each other and let's grow together. It's really hard to get people to prioritize that. Of the 168 hours in a week, like we struggle to devote two of those hours to growth spiritually. And I'm not saying that just Sunday morning service is the only place where people can grow. That's it's actually really unhealthy if that's your outlook on things. But you can see like if we don't find value in this, how we probably are not going to find value in a lot of other things as well. All right, so then we say, hey, let's do life together. You should join a life group. And, and someone's like, well, that's another hour or two in the week that I have to give up. And, and so we have this hard time. We're, we're hanging on to our time. We want to be individuals. We know we should be growing. How do you then kind of combat this idea of like guilt that comes in? Like I don't want to just go to church or be part of something because I feel guilty if I don't do it. Like do I actually have a desire to be part of this? Do I have a desire to grow and be part of a community? All right, and, and all this might sound really negative, like I'm, I'm harping on all of us. And honestly, I'm not trying to. That's not what my intention is. My, my intention is to paint a picture that our modern way of living makes this difficult. It does. And if we want to be 
growing in our walk with God, we need to be intentional. All right, and I want to give us this picture of what I think the growth journey should kind of look like. Then we're going to wrap it up here, all right? So often I think that we think of growth as this like straight line, all right? Like up and to the right. Just keep moving up and to the right and, you know, we're, we're going to be all right. Okay, but I think that I want us to look at this differently. We are all in different spots, and a healthy church should have people in different spots. If a church is made up of a bunch of mature believers, I would actually argue that that is an unhealthy church. If everybody's in the same spot. A healthy church should be drawing people towards Jesus, which means every single week you should have people walking through the door that probably don't have a relationship with Jesus. Like that, that's what a healthy church would look like. And so you should have people all across this spectrum, all right? And, and that's what a community should look like, all right? That's why we say as a church, like we are always expecting guests. And if new people are walking through your doors, they're going to be at all different places, all right? So you have people all across the board. And instead of thinking linear about this growth, I want us to think circular, Okay? And as you grow, you are learning more. And you kind of move through this process. And you're growing and you're growing and you're growing. And there's this kind of circular piece to it. You get more excited about things. You're trying to figure things out. You're asking questions. You're making mistakes. Like these are all the ways that we learn. This whole process is sometimes called uh, discipleship or becoming a disciple. Or maybe you've heard a big churchy word like sanctification. Okay? All right? That just means becoming more sanctified, more holy. And that sounds really like pious, almost like, oh, you're becoming more holy. It's like, well, okay, listen, Jesus is holy. God is holy. We should be becoming more like him. So it's not an arrogant thing to say, I want to be more holy. Now, if you have this holier-than-thou type attitude, that's a different thing. All right? And this doesn't happen alone. You really need someone else to be walking with you who is responding uh, to questions, who is, is helping you out, okay? So you have you on this little circle, and now you have another person who's there, and they're kind of walking with you and trying to help you through this process, all right? Um, but pretty soon in this journey, and I'm going to say earlier than we probably often think, you should actually be grabbing onto somebody else and helping them walk through this journey, all right, so you kind of move from where you are to that spot where someone was helping you. You're going to kind of move over to that spot, and you are going to start walking with them. And you walk them around the same circle, okay? And as they grow, because you are still walking that same circle of growth with them, you also are going to continue to grow. All right, so this should keep going here uh, back on the computer. We should have another, another circle going with another person here. All right, um, And as you do this, you are walking along with someone. You are still walking that same path, and so they are growing, and you are growing. All right, Remember what the author of Hebrews had said. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's word. All right, And the apostle Paul assumes that you will become a teacher of others. That, that's just how this goes. All right, and so at the same time, you are grabbing someone, you're walking through this circle, you're growing with them, they're growing. You probably still should have someone that you're looking to, and they're walking around the circle, and they are growing, and it, this is what community looks like together. All right, 
Uh, and, and I want to do this. Can we, can we just stand as I read a final passage here? And this final passage you probably have heard before if you've been in church. Um, but I want us to look at it through the lens of, of this, of what we're doing. Okay, because I think it kind of just brings things alive in a different way. All right? So it says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can you see this picture here? of what spiritual growth looks like. It's a beautiful thing. We need to be a church that grows. And that, I'm not even talking like numerically. Like, yeah, we can make an argument that a healthy church should be growing that way as well. But we need to be a church. We need to be people in a church that grow. That we are part of something that is drawing us closer to God. That we are becoming more mature. And that in this process, we're not tossed around by every different teaching or every different thought. Growth often happens through discussions. This is what I've found in my life. And discussions can only happen in community. All right, like real discussions do not happen online. You don't ever tried to have a discussion about something that maybe you disagreed with someone else online about. It never goes well. All right? Discussions happen in community. Growth often happens in community. And throughout this series, I'm going to be challenging us to press in, to be willing to put in the time and the work and, and to make this a priority in our life. It's important to understand the foundations of what we believe. And I'm excited to do this together. All right, and, and we need to be growing. And as great as it is to have emotional moments with God that, uh, that kind of push us, to challenge us, to draw closer to Him and all that, like we also just need times of learning. I think that's why a lot of this has gone by the wayside in, in the modern church. We so desperately want to have these individualized moments with God where the lights go down low and the right worship songs playing and I want to just have this emotional connection right now with God that we end up missing the idea of the community and everything else around us and I think the way that we actually are meant to grow. And here's the thing. Here's like the main point that we have to wrestle with in this. A requirement of being a follower of Jesus is that we would continue to grow and mature in various ways. And when I first wrote this, I had different wording there that wasn't as strong. I, I kind of had said like, it's assumed and expected that you would grow. No, you know, you know what? As I, as I was going through this and reading through scripture, it's just, this is a requirement. This is not an option. It's not just like, well, yeah, maybe I'll grow, maybe I won't. This, this is a requirement. There's no option to be a follower of Jesus 
and put it on autopilot and just coast to the finish line. That's not what this is. So maybe even just begin to ask yourself, like in what ways have you grown over the past year spiritually? How are you growing right now? What areas do you need to be growing in? All right, and and now let's move beyond just the individualized part of this, like to the communal side of this. Who is helping you grow? Could you say right now that you have one person, maybe they're a, a, we'll say more mature believer, further along in in this path, whatever you want to call it. Do you have someone that is helping you grow? Where you said that and they wouldn't be like shocked by that, like what? (laughs) I'm supposedly helping you? And who are you helping grow? Who are you grabbing the hand of and saying, hey, come on, let's walk this together. I want to just kind of close us in prayer here, but I want these questions to kind of reverberate with us throughout the week here. Is there growth that's happening spiritually in your life? Things that you can point to and say, I I know that this is going on in my life. And this person's helping me and I'm helping this person do it. Or maybe you're realizing right now that you lack the community that you need to do this. I want to go out on a limb here and say that I think this community can be and should be that community. If you need to figure out how to get more involved so that this is happening, talk with me. Maybe we're failing you in some way and we need to restructure some things. Find a better way to do this. We'll do that. Because this is vital. All right, let's, let's pray together. Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, that we just even begin to feel a little bit of maybe there is conviction that is needed. Maybe there is encouragement that is needed. God, whatever it is, Lord, that we would feel this desire and this longing to have more of you than what we have now. God, that we would want to be drawn closer to you. We would want to be so involved in your plan for creation. God, as as your kingdom comes, as your kingdom is here now, that we would be part of expanding, of, of building this kingdom. But God, I know that every single one of us needs to be growing in order to do that. So God, we just ask that uh, throughout this series, Lord, that you would lead us even just to the right topics and things that we're going to talk through. And um, God, that we would just feel a desire to want to have more growth. Not, Not a guilt right now, but just something saying, yes, I want more. I want to be doing whatever it is I need to be doing. Jesus, we just, we ask this to just be filling every single one of us right now. Lord, we ask that in your name.